there, and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to have with us on the podcast, Jim Burns, and we get to learn with him, from him about living life with our adult children. This is a subject that is kind of dear to my heart at the present time. Our daughter, Isabel, is getting ready to go to college and move off into to university, and we're looking at a new phase of life where we will not be with her every day, and our parenting will be more from a distance than being right with her, and Heather and I just, uh, it's just the season of life we're in, and so I began to think and read a few books, and um, actually my friend Brandon Barnes, he he recommended this book, and uh, Jim Burns, and so I reached out to Jim, and he was so kind to be able to sit down with us today. Jim is very well known, he's on Focus on the Family, different other podcast, and provides just some great insight, practical experience. I appreciate him willing to share transparently of the lessons that he's learned, and so that we can learn from him as he, yeah, as we move into the season of life. I do want to thank our, our sponsor for today's podcast, which would be Central Assembly of God and Pastor Doug Seaman in Cumberland, Maryland, caring for each person, connecting each story, and celebrating each miracle. Continue to send in your questions for Back Channel of Foth, and that's where we sit down with Dick Foth, and Dick um, answers the questions that are sent in, and it's just a fun time to learn from Dick's wisdom and insight and experience. And so, hey, I think it's a good time to go ahead and jump into our interview with Jim. And well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today with someone that I feel like I know because I've been reading his books, but the first time I've actually seen him um, face-to-face on the podcast. Jim Burns, welcome to the podcast. Aaron, great to be with you. I'm, I'm very excited to be with you. I love what you're doing. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Jim, would you go ahead and maybe just share a little bit about yourself, the things that you think are important that you would like for the audience to know before we jump into some of the questions for today? Well, the real importance is that I've got three grandkids and uh, two of them are staying at our house right now because of a COVID incidence. And so, you know, life was quiet and it turned chaotic overnight, not overnight, in one minute, right? So, um, three, but three grandkids, um, three daughters who are all yeah. married. So I have the adult children thing going on. And, uh, you know, I've been uh, involved in ministry. I'm 68 years old. I've been involved in ministry since I was 18, but I became a Christian when I was 16. I was not raised in the church. Okay. So uh, a wonderful man came alongside me who was my youth pastor and uh, led me to Christ. And that was uh, uh, something that has st- stuck with me, you know, forever in terms of so grateful for the fact that one of these people who was kind of living in a post-Christian era yeah. and had no idea that uh, you know, there was a redemption and all those kind of great things. And, and uh, he taught me that. And I'm very deeply grateful for him. His name is John Watson and he just passed away. Wow. Um, and it's been a loss for me. And at the same time, um, so grateful for that. And he uh, at 18, well, I was 18 and I started doing youth ministry and I sort of morphed into family ministry only because I love kids. I wake up thinking about kids yeah. and I kind of went, how do I help these kids? And I go, the most effective <laughs> way to help the parents, they're dying out there. <laughs> and then you know, more and more, Kathy and I started working with, um, with people in, in pastoral ministry and people who are on the mission field. And all of a sudden we went, whoa, they have issues when it comes to marriage and parenting. And, and some of them are unique, but it makes it even more unique, especially if you're on the mission field. Yeah. And so one of our privileges has been uh, at Homeward, where I work, we have four values, which is uh, strong marriages, confident parents, empowered kids, and healthy leaders. Mm-hmm. And so I love 
pouring some time into the healthy leader. Not that I have it all together by any means. We'll talk about that on this podcast, but, <laughs> um, and, and you'll figure it out real soon. But you know, the truth is, is that, uh, we who are leaders have to make sure that, you know, we're taking care of our own soul, taking care of our own family. And I've had to ask the question a lot of times, am I only giving my family, my emotional scraps? I'm doing ministry all the time. I'm not, yeah. I'm not giving them my emotional scraps, but when it mm-hmm. comes to my own marriage or my own children, I didn't want them to suffer because, you know, they were getting only, you know, dad's emotional scraps and, and right. sometimes mom's emotional scraps because of our ministry. And um, we've had to make some changes about that. And that's kind of uh, partly even, I know we're talking about uh, doing life with adult children, but you know, that's, that's been a key issue for us all the way through. How do we wow. help our kids move from dependence on us toward independence, become responsible adults who love God. And at the same time, um, you know, how do we keep this ministry going, which seems to be needier than even our kids at yeah. times? <laughs> Maybe not the teenagers, you know what I mean? Oh, man. Well, as you share, we're going to be talking about uh, doing life with our with adult children. And um, this is a subject I think that uh, is going to real ring dear to my heart soon. My daughter's moving off to college um, this June. And so this is uh, we're, we're getting to that stage. And so just uh, excited to learn from you this evening. What, what are some joys this to start off? What are some joys that of doing life with adult children? Yeah. You know, there are joys. I, I meet. Unfortunately, I hear a lot of things when kids uh, violate values and I hear all the negative stuff, but you know, in our life, our kids bumped right at college. I don't want to say that in a bad way, Aaron, for you, right. but you know, our kids took some bumps and we went, what? They were raised in the church. They, what are they thinking? Um, you know, but today my kids are in their thirties. They honestly are kind of our good friends. We're going mm-hmm. away. Kathy and I are going away tomorrow to Palm desert. We live in Southern California, so it's not a long drive. And instead of just going away, you know, on a little romantic outing, which we definitely need to do at times, we're bringing Heidi, Matt and Huxley just because we love hanging out with our kids now. Yeah. So they're, they're in their thirties and we've moved from kind of parenting children, so to speak. And we've moved it to, we're still the parents, but it's an adult, adult relationship. Hmm. And when we were talking about going to Palm Springs, we went, wow, I can't think of anybody I'd rather go to than one of our kids. Yeah. You know, it looks like Heidi and Matt have time. Let's go. Yeah. So it's kind of cool, cool to now play together. Um, you know, even my son-in-law who was with us this morning, um, he, you know, I have a great relationship with him. I love this guy. And that's cool because I mean, I have other friends, I'm in a support group, been in it for 21 years on and on, which we're close. We do life together, but we really do life with our kids too. And that's the joy. Um, is it perfect? No, we can argue about politics. We can argue about certain faith issues that they (laughs) have a different slant on things. Even the ones that go to our same church, I'm like, what are you thinking? But (laughs) we had to calm that down. And over the years we've calmed it down. We also don't have certain discussions or, you know, around, you know, uh, politics around, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's like, right. <laughs> let's just stop right now. <laughs> keep it, but it's keep great. It, keep it it's simple. a joy. So when you, when that transition's taking place and your, your kids were transitioning in, into adulthood, what were the, what were you aiming for? And what should parents like me, what should, yeah. you know, it's too late. I know a daughter that's 18, but maybe parents are listening in. They have younger kids. What's the aim that we're looking for is yeah. that the children, our children make that transition. You know what, you know, what's interesting Aaron, is I actually think it's the same aim from a five-year-old on into adulthood. And it's how do we help them become responsible adults who love God? I mentioned that phrase. Hmm. So at Homeward, we're the largest provider of parenting seminars in the United States. 
we're talking to parents of five-year-olds saying the goal for discipline is responsible adulthood. So they're going to have to move toward becoming more responsible. And of course you don't do that for a five-year-old, like, Hey, fine, you're on your own. Right. But you know, you begin moving that process to where by the time they're your daughter's age, you know, you're consulting. Most of her day-to-day decisions are done by her, by her. Well, yeah. that's healthy. Even though you go, wait, this decision, I'm still paying for your cell phone. I'm still doing this <laughs> and that. But the truth is, is that, as she becomes a, the only way to let her become a responsible adult, well, is to give her the passport to adulthood. Yeah. And she's, she's waiting for that. They're yeah. waiting for that. And, and, you know, they're never ready. You know, I, I write on sexuality and I'll say to parents, start talking to your kids about sex at three to five. And they're like, ah, well, you're not talking about all the full details. You're saying right. God made your body, things like that. Well, it's hard for the parents. The kids don't, you know, they think it's cool, right? Oh, God made my body. How cool is that? Parents are freaking out. Well, I think for us, as our as our kids become young adults, they're emerging adults. I mean, they've never been an adult. They don't know what to do. And we've never parented an adult. So we don't know what to do. You yeah. know, so it's kind of this parallel journey we're on. And so when I realized that my role had to change hmm. and I had to, you know, zip my mouth, you know, there's scars on my tongue because I'm the, you know, advice giver. My wife was also... Um, you know, that that's part of the deal, but the, but I, I, you know, I kind of strayed the goal is responsible adulthood. And I would add who love God. That's a strong, that's, that's the goal. So you parent, not just for obedient kids, when you have little kids, you parent Hmm. to help them become responsible adults. And sometimes they've got to skin their knee to become a responsible adult. And that's the hardest thing, watching your kids go, wow, that they're not making a good decision right now. Yeah. So what do you do in that tension when when you see from a distance, you know, many of the people listening into this podcast were on one side of the world, uh, their, their yep. children on the other yes. side of the world. Maybe yep. it's. Yeah. What how do you deal in that tension when you see your children making decisions that you just think, oh, man, that wouldn't be the one I would make. How do they walk no. in that tension? Well, I think there is a tension. And you said the word right. Um, I, You know, you scream in the pillow. You pray <laughs> like crazy. You and your spouse cry. You'll sometimes fight. You'll, you know, you'll struggle. You'll doubt your call. You'll want to move back home right away to, you know, carry them through this deal. I mean, that's the story. We all do that at times, but I think what we have to realize is that we've given them a foundation and we've, we've been a day-to-day parent for 18 years, Hmm. 20 years. And now we're moving them toward adulthood and we're going to have to believe the fact that the foundation we laid is the foundation that they will build upon as time goes on okay. now, you know, when I'm, you know, my background is helping teenagers. And so, you know, teen, I always say in, te- with, in the teen world, they're going to color outside the line. They're going to go through an experimental phase because they're trying to, you know, they're trying to become free from us. Right. I mean, not free because they're always tied into us, but they're trying to become their own people. And in doing that, sometimes they're going to color outside the lines because a sinner married another sinner. You have sinner links. So they're not going to make the, you know, the, the, perfect decisions. Right. But, and studies are showing this gets us all freaked out when we're in ministry that, you know, 65% of kids, when they graduate from high school, right at your daughter's age, I mean, we're talking right at this and this is some of this is not good news, but you know, they'll, they'll sometimes stray from faith. You'll see this on the mission field. We've seen this over and over again, where kids come back to the States and they're like, no, you know, I haven't been to church for eight months. What? You haven't been to church for eight months. But the truth is, is that when they get married or when they, when they make babies or when, well, terrible to say, but when there's a crisis or something, where do they come? They come back 
as long as parents don't shun them. See, with adult children who are making bad decisions, sometimes we, you know, we shun them or we get so angry at them. We, we dump all of our anger and hurt and frustration on them. And then we're like going, Hey, so are they, so we become one topic parents. Mm. And in that being a one topic parent with something that's been painful, well, when they fall or when they stray and when they kind of want to come back, they're not going to come to us. Hmm. So we have to, at this, we have to, you know, I always say, do you know what they believe? I said it to a woman yesterday. Does your daughter know what she believes? Daughter was living with a guy and she was in shock. Do you know what she, you believe? Yes. Do you know um, how you feel about this? Yes. Then fine. Broaden the relationship so that you can have a relationship with her because what's the chance of her staying with this guy? What's the chance of her, you know, doing fine with the, with the decision she's making? Not good. So get your help and support from someplace else by being open and transparent about some of your pain, but be there for that kid. Now, again, that's not saying I agree with you. That's just saying broaden it out. I have a friend who uh, I live in Southern California and the Rams are going to be in the Super Bowl. That's big. Yeah. As, as your conversation you know, here is here. <laughs> and uh, he has a son who kind of has strayed and he actually got tickets to the Rams 49ers game last weekend. And he is so frustrated with his son because of some poor choices that his son is making. But he took his son to the game, which is a like a major thing. And he said mm-hmm. it was so good. And he goes, you know, on the way back, we had a talk about God that we had not talked about for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I just went, you know, is, do I have the story now that he's decided to you know, become a missionary and move to Africa from Southern <laughs> California? No, you know, it's not. That's not the story yet. But, you know, it's the process of healing. You need to move five steps forward, four steps back sometimes. Yeah. So that's the that's the process. But we can't just too many people just go, well, if they're going to act like that, I'm just removing myself. No, no, no. Don't do that. Even when they do horrific things in our minds. Hmm. Do you think when. Is it just easier if if they're doing things that they're doing? Maybe our child's doing something and we don't like it. Is are we concerned to how it reflects on us, or are we yeah. or just or is it just easier just not to? It's just easier to be black and white and say I'm not going to deal well, with it, or is, love, it, or is it mixed emotions? I mean, when we're in ministry, we do go. Oh my gosh! I, like I remember Becca, my middle child, who's now a you know a clinical psychologist. Um, she at eighth grade where I'm taking her to church and all of a sudden I look at what she's wearing and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, and it wasn't anything bad. We live in Southern California. It was kind of beachy and way too much skin showing, not sexy, but too much skin. And I said, Becca, what are you thinking? And then my, but my first thought was, what are all the people going to think? You know, I'm Jim. Hmm. I, you know, they all know me as the, you know, person in ministry and I'm letting my daughter wear this. And finally I, I said, Becca, this is the last time you get to wear this outfit. And I kind of laughed about it, but for Kathy and I, we had to learn that we needed people around us, especially in our time when our kids were being goofy about a couple of things. Okay. Um, and our kids did bump. They, I mean, Christy, my oldest went to a Christian school in college and she wrote at the, her last article, she wrote a column for the paper. I had to disown my parents' faith to own my own faith. So hmm. we didn't see, she didn't let us in on that whole journey. Hmm. Um, but we knew she wasn't being super smart about some decisions she was making at that school. Yeah. But at the same time, she now goes to our church. Uh, you know, we fellowship with her. It was her son-in-law, my son-in-law, her, her husband, who I was with. The kids are, are here because of a COVID incident. So, you know, that's changed. Yeah. But during that time, we were like, whoa, do we tell people that, you know, Christy was going through n- not just um, poor choices, but she was going through intellectual doubts about God 
Today, she's probably more articulate about her faith than we are, hmm. but she's also 36 years old and she's had, she's had a couple of bruises on, along the way in terms of, from some of her choices, yeah. not easy. I chose to go to my support group immediately. I've been in this group for 21 years and just say, guys, I'm lost here. Now, these are guys that all look to me as kind of a spiritual leader to them. Hmm. So it was hard for me to kind of go, whoa, my kid, I've been telling you guys how to raise your parents and or how to raise your kids. And, you know, you've read my parenting books and, you know, here's my kid and we, we've done this stuff. And here's yeah. my kid who's going, I really don't know. I mean, my parents yeah. are okay, but I'm not sure I'm going to follow their direction. See what I'm saying? Wow. Yeah. Do it with others so that, you know, get past that. Yeah. And you know what I find in today's world, especially Aaron, is that when we're more authentic mm. um, with our faith, Nobody's looking for perfection. You know, the Bible says the man or woman of integrity walks securely. And I think their kids will walk more securely. But I also think the people around them, you know, nobody's expecting Jim and Kathy to have the perfect kids. Yeah. Um, even our Christmas cards, when we send it out, we'll, we sent out a, a picture this year and the front page had us all looking kind of cool. And the back of it had us looking, you know, goofy and whatever, because that's more a family. Yeah. So we have a sign that says, bless this house. Yeah. One day when Christy was your daughter's age. So she was 18. She slammed the door on her mom and the door went and the sign went crooked. Bless this house. We just left it. Crooked. That's kind of our house. That, that puts less pressure on us, hmm. but there, but the pressure is always there. Okay. So that's something that people who are in ministry in have to kind of grapple with who's the safe person I can talk to. I don't know that you announce your child's greatest sin. If you're a pastor in a church, you know, in front of the whole church, I don't think right. you do that. You got to find people who are safe. Right. Um, and if you don't have people who are safe, it's going to eat you up. Wow. Wow. You share about moving from uh, hands-on parenting to this intermittent, intermittent uh, connection. And, 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 the, you know, the subtitle of your book or the byline is, you know, um, keep your mouth shut and, you know, the welcome mat uh, there and ready for your children to come home. So how do the, how do we move from this hands-on everyday decisions we're involved in it all to this intermittent Um, there will, because the reality of, as you share in your book, it's there, then when they're far away, they have to connect with us. It's not, we're not living under a roof. Well, it's a, it's, it's a choice we have to make and it's really hard. I mean, I, I mean, you know, again, my kids now are in their thirties and it's still hard because I'm like, I I don't want to be the person who's sitting at the kitchen table with my wife going, why don't the kids call, you know, that kind of a thing. But I kind of am like, seriously, she didn't, I've texted her. I've done all the ways to get to her and she's still not connecting with me, you know, kind of thing. I get it, but you know, they, they want to be more free and people who want to have be responsible adults. They want that freedom. They, that doesn't mean that they don't want to be with us. They okay. do, they need to be released. Okay. I mean, that's what's been happening since day one with yeah. Adam and Eve type of a thing. Yeah. So with that, we have to make that decision. And then we've got to make a decision that are we going to, you know, continue to enable them. Hmm. And what happens is I, I ask people all the time because I ask myself, am, am I enabling dependency on me? Okay. So we had a situation with one of our girls where we were kind of paying for some stuff and glad to do it. I mean, we had the money, it wasn't a lot of money. And so we're paying, but we're kind of enabling dependency on her. Okay. Uh, you know, for on us, I mean, and finally we had to say, Hey, look, we want to create an exit plan. So in the next three months, we're going to, we're going to take this off. And she's going, but what am I going to do? And and we're going, I know, what are you going to do? And fascinating enough, she figured it out. Okay. So 
that went from helping. I mean, mm. we're helping her, but like with finances, that's a good idea because we can't just keep being the bank mm. uh, to our, with our adult kids. So we've got to help them become financially responsible. So to do that, sometimes we have to go, Oh man, I can't believe they're living in that. Like Heidi, our youngest went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo in California. She lived in a, like in a, a closet, a large closet of this house. Cause it was cheaper for her. And we only gave her so much money yeah. and she chose not to work. <laughs> we looked at this closet type and I honestly mean, it was like a big closet. And um, I'm like this, we are the worst parents in the world. <laughs> Cause the other kids, <laughs> right? but it was, it was Heidi's choice because yeah. we were putting money into the school thing, but we were only putting so much money. So she either could get a job yeah. and work or she could, you know, sleep in a closet. And, you know, what's funny about her is, you know, she had fun sleeping in the closet. What can I say? We didn't. And in fact, I kept, I just kept Kathy out of that house. I go, uh, Heidi, we're going to come and see you. Let's go. Let's meet at the restaurant. Cause I, cause Kathy would like get in the car and just go this, we are the worst parents known to humankind. You know what? We weren't the worst parents known to humankind. She made a choice. Hmm. And, and so part of that is, uh, you know, understanding that I think as a parent, yeah. And so with those those choices that, that you shared about your daughter making and, and you see those in your writing, you share that um, experience is a better teacher than, you know, as a parent just giving advice. How do we become comfortable in and and watching those experiences? And I, you also share in your book that sometimes we're paying for those experiences and we're watching it. And right. um, how do we because I think sometimes for me. Um, you know, finances, we can use finances as, as control. Maybe, um, maybe we could use finances as maybe we like that. There's still a, a string, maybe that string might be a bad analogy, but they still need me for the finances. So I'm going to keep it there just so there's some connection. Could you but, just share just a little bit about that? Yeah, I know I've kind of thrown yeah. a lot of things out there. Well, first of all, I don't think the word comfortable is ever, uh, <laughs> I mean, I talk to parents who have like kids where my, my kid is 50 and I'm not comfortable with the decisions he's making. I'm going, you have a 50 year old, you're still not comfortable. So I don't know. I'm not always comfortable with my kids right. you know, making some of those things, but you've got to make the under, make the understanding that, and there's a principle in it in the book that says unsolicited advice is usually taken as criticism. Right. Mm. And, um, and I watch people just shake their heads when I'm in an audience and I, and I use that phrase, they're all like, Oh, is that the truth? <laughs> but really what they're, what they hear, you're just giving advice and your intentions and your, your motives are perfect. But mm. what they hear is you don't trust me to make adult decisions. Okay. And I, I didn't understand that. I'm, you know, I remember a time with Christy, uh, she and her husband were having a argument in our house about moving. They were moving to Texas for one year. And, um, they were talking about the move and I didn't think Steve had the best idea and I didn't think Christy had the best idea. So I walked in <laughs> in the middle of their argument. I said, you guys, I have a better idea. <laughs> and, and Christy, I go, can I tell you my idea? Christy puts up her hand and goes, dad, not right now. Hmm. And I go, I walk out and my, the bubble in my head goes, wait, I get paid to give people advice. <laughs> so we, so she moves with Steve. They use Steve's idea, which is worse than Christie's. And we fly there for a, you know, about a month or about a week later to help them, you know, put baby cribs together and all this stuff. And Christy, they were, they were talking about the fact that they had lost a couch, they had lost, a chair fell off. I mean, it was terrible. His idea was just ridiculous. So Christy, they're talking about it. And Christy goes, hey, dad, you had an idea. What was your idea? And I said, oh, I would have blah, blah, blah. Right. And she goes, dad, that's the answer. Why didn't you tell us? 
So I'm laughing because I go, Chrissy, I tried to tell you. And yeah. you went, she goes, oh, that's right. But when they moved back to California, they used my idea. And then they had the audacity to ask me for $150 to help them out with the, you know, with the thing. So I'm laughing. I go, it was my idea and it cost me some money. But the point <laughs> being, I needed to treat her like an adult. Hmm. And that means that it's important for me to wait for some of that advice. Now, again, there's times when your kids are in crisis or there's drug use or there's, you know, really tough stuff. You just got to intervene and, you know, it sucks to be, you know, a parent during that time. But I really do think that part of it is us learning the discipline to uh, take a deep breath and, uh, and realize that unsolicited advice is taken as criticism, even though we don't mean that's not our intent, but it's almost always how they feel. Yeah. Wow. You mentioned earlier about um, caring and enabling. Is there something yeah. mentally that you run through in your mind to say, hey, the difference yeah. between that? Because that, that's just one of the other things that I read your book I thought was super valuable. Yeah. Well, actually, if people enable their kids, they really are being, what, you know, what's called, we all talk about this helicopter parents and meaning they're not letting their kids become those responsible adults. So for me, the, and the result, by the way, is failure to launch into, mm. into adulthood. There's even a syndrome. You can Google it and look up failure to life syndrome and go, whoa, there's a lot of kids in that mode right now. And they're 35 and they're still living at home. (laughs) But the point for me, enabling means that I'm not allowing, I can help them, but enabling is long-term, the long-term deficit in their life that we're carrying them. There's an African proverb, by the way, not Christian necessarily, but an African problem that says, or proverb that says, um, you know, they'll never know how far the town is um, if you carry them on your back. Hmm. And so enabling is carrying them on their back or Hmm. on your back. And so that means, um, you know, just allowing some, you got to allow the consequences of their choices to to be fruitful in their life. And fruitful can be negative, good or bad. Okay. So let's take bad. They're making some poor choices. The consequence, it's the consequence of their poor choice. It's not you. And it's, okay. you know, so that when they learn, that's how they're going to learn. I mean, how do you learn Aaron? How I learned was making a poor choice. How do you, how do you learn how to do better with money? Not getting in debt. Yeah. How do you learn that? Well, you figure out how to save and give and, you know, live on less or whatever right. it is. They have to learn those same lessons and if we take care of their pain, we, you know, hmm. we don't want our kids to have pain. And some of us have had a lot of pain. Hmm. Those of us who have had pain, we tend to want to help them even more hmm. um, because we don't want them to suffer that pain. Well, we still have to learn from from our mistakes or our issues or our sin or whatever. So do they. Yeah. No, that's excellent. Excellent. And you. So is it ever okay if we're, you talked about our children making mistakes, you talked about a crisis. So there are times that we can step in and maybe help mitigate some of the consequences that are going on is, or is it once they're adult, we don't step in ever. No, I think, I think there are times when we either step in or at least we, and in, we invite our, you know, the opportunity, let me give an illustration. My daughter, uh, Christy, my oldest, she had a uh, sweetheart in college. Great guy. Amazing guy. Yeah. And uh, they were going to get married and, you know, on and on. And anyway, it was a bad breakup. And yeah. he w- was he just was I mean, he was a leader in a Bible study and did all this stuff. And apparently he wasn't living the life. Yeah. So we invited Christy to come back home. Okay. And and when we said that, we said, look at Christy, we know you left as a teen, so to speak. Okay. 
you're coming back in as adult and we want to learn how to do that better. But at the same time, there are some, you're moving into our house. So this is a scrub brush, that toilet right there. Your job is to clean that toilet. And she's looking at us like, what? I didn't do that even in high school, you know, kind of thing. But what we learned also was that she was going through such a tough time emotionally that it was really important for us to just be there, be loving to her. And she goes, this is great. You guys take me out to dinner more than you ever did when we were younger. <laughs> we were the empty nest by this time. Right. And, uh, and we're like, come with us. And, you know, we, she became, we, she called us the roomies. And then we went, you know, we've been her roomies now for long enough. Now she's going to need to, you know, get right. healed, so to right. speak. And so to do that, we had to slowly, but surely kind of back it off. Okay. And, uh, for us, that was not easy for us. You know, mm. I, I, I always say, and it's, you know, probably crass, but I always say, you know, when a mom is breastfeeding, it's, you're, you have to wean the child off right. where it's not easy for the weenie or the weaner, if you would. <laughs> and so it wasn't easy for Christy or us, if you know yeah. what I'm saying. Right. You know, for sure. but we needed to do that. And again, we weren't harsh, but it was right. like, okay, Christy, it's time. Yeah. So how yeah. we started that was we said, Hey, look at you have a good job now and you've been here and not a great job, but a good job. She right. was an editor for a Christian publishing company. And we said, um, so you're gonna have to start paying rent. Hmm. And she was like, what? Oh, she didn't accept. She didn't go. That is the greatest <laughs> idea. You guys are helping me become responsible. It was like, I hardly have enough. I mean, she was, and this is our kid who tells us what she thinks at all times. And, um, we said, no, you're going to have to. And, and, uh, you know, it's, and there were times when she would be late and I'd go, if it's over 10 days, there's, um, you know, you're going to have to pay a, a fine. And she just yeah. thought that was the most ridiculous thing. So <laughs> it never got that. What she didn't realize was that Kathy and I were taking that money, we're putting it aside. And when she was leaving, we we're going to give her the money to help her get into an apartment with a roommate or whatever it was right. going to be. We never told her that. So, yeah. But what we were trying to do was teach her some responsibility because we knew that for her to move from mom and dad's free hotel yeah. to, for one thing, it wasn't a free hotel. You need to clean your bathroom. Okay. That kind of a thing. But to also her moving out, she was going to have to figure out how to make rent. Yeah. And if she wasn't paying even our little bit of rent, then she yeah. was going to be wasting. And she was, I mean, she, you know, she was going on fun little outings with her friends and doing all this stuff. So, you know, she had money because yeah. we were paying for the food, et cetera. <laughs> we, just, we just made that decision and then when she was, she, she was ready to, to move on and she was a little bit nervous about it. We said, Hey, we can help you. Here's how much money you've given us for rent. Yeah. And we, we really literally wrote her a, a check Yeah. and she was like, well, and I think the check was like $4,500 or something. Yeah. It was a lot of money. Yeah. So we hadn't spent it. Yeah. And, and we go, here you go. And she's like, Oh my gosh. Well, today she gets that. Yeah. having two kids of her own and all that. She didn't, she still didn't. I mean, she wasn't the day before we handed her the money. She was still like, I can't believe my parents. We, and then we felt embarrassed because <laughs> she would tell everybody, my parents charge me. <laughs> So-and-so's parents don't charge. And we're like, oh, oh geez. Man. <laughs> Throwing it at you. I got two more questions for you. One you that I thought was fascinating in the book was you talked about when we feel like we have a dream for our child or for our children and they're not living that dream and, and trying to come to terms with their future and what they, what their life that they're living is not exactly what we had in our dream and our mind. Can you just share just a, a few minutes about yeah. that? Well, a couple of things. Well, one is there's a prayer that I often said during that, and I still kind of pray it, you know, Lord help me parent, not the child I was or the parent I thought they were going to be, but the child who I have. Hmm. because we have to finally accept that, that, you know, they're probably not going to 
you know, live exactly like I have three son-in-laws. I love these guys. I would not have chosen any of them for okay. my daughters because they were never good enough. I don't think there's a man alive who's good enough for my daughters. Right. Right. And yet now I've had to, you know, embrace them and I, and I see that they made good choices and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But the part of that is the, is the, is the understanding that they, I have to relinquish them to God. Hmm. And that's one of the hardest things. I'm not saying that's easy. You know, it sounds so spiritual. We'll relinquish your kids to God. Oh no, that's, that's really hard to do Hmm. because, you know, I know God loves, I've said this to people. I know God loves your kids more than you do. And people will look at me like, wait, I love my kids. I'd die for my kids. I would. But at the same time, that relinquishing thing is Hmm. really hard, especially when they're not making good decisions. Hmm. So again, that doesn't mean that you leave the relationship. It simply means that, you take a deep breath and you say, Hey, they may have to have a testimony. They're going to yeah. learn from this piece. Right. And uh, especially if they're doing really, you know, awful or silly things in our own, in our own, in our own mind. Yeah. At the same time, when they stray from faith, when they violate values, our values, when they, you know, disagree with us on, I don't care if it's something as maybe trite as uh, politics or as important as, you know, relationship with Jesus. Um, when they disagree, the main question they're asking is, do you still love me? They'll never ask it, but that's mm. the question. So mm. in the midst of it, is it possible to, for us to have a frightful day? And, you know, like Kathy and I, the amount of conversations we've had we still have sometimes about our kids in that manner. And then with them, is it possible for us to still show the love of Christ to them and literally let them know in the midst of their goofiness, I still love you. I don't agree with you. Yeah. but I love it. Yeah. And then we have to show it that way. Yeah. And do you share that, Jim? Do you say, I don't agree with you? I mean, is that something you come yeah. out and say, or do you think it's possible? I don't, I don't think that has to be the only thing they already know. You don't agree. I mean, right. especially That's if you're I mean. in ministry or if you're a missionary or whatever, my gosh, they know what you're, what you stand for. Right. So it's even harder for them to re I mean, they will rebel, but it's harder for them to come to you during re- a time of rebellion. Cause they already know what you stand for. They know that you disagree with their actions or their values. Hmm. And what I learned over the years, and I talk about this in the book, actually under a, uh, under a, a a principle called you can't want it more than they want it. Hmm. But, you know, they go through, there's a lot of times you'll see these kids, millennials and Gen Z's, you'll see them, they'll stray, they'll kind of wander. Then they'll get a hardened heart because they made perhaps some poor choices they they eventually get to forfeiting their spiritual purpose. Hmm. And so it's so hard for parents to just allow that because you have a, a dream for them to not forfeit their spiritual purpose. But when they're forfeiting their spiritual purpose, I think you treat them like anybody else that you know, who's forfeiting their spiritual purpose. It's not like you shun them. It's right. not like you hate these people. You're actually almost kind of being a witness to that. Right. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. I remember, we love worship music. And uh, so there was a Chris Tomlin Hillsong concert. How cool is that? And we really wanted our daughter to come as she was, she wasn't totally forfeiting her spiritual purpose, but she was on the way. And uh, she's like, why would I want to go to that? You know? And I was like, Wait. <laughs> and we were so Kathy was like, I I'm devastated, you know, kind yeah. of a thing. So we went to the concert without her. I mean, you know, kind yeah. of a thing. And guess what? She's now, you know, moving in a different direction than she was moving. How great is that? She's in her thirties. She's wised up, but it's really hard to, to do, but I just had to treat my kids 
more like I would treat my neighbor who doesn't, Hmm. you know, necessarily love Jesus right now. Hmm. And, and yet what I find is that a lot of the kids who've been raised in faith and have been raised in ministry, if they're in a home that not, not, if it's toxic um, and, you know, weird, I get it. They're they're going to, they may stray and never come back, but if it's a good home, not perfect, but a good home, you do see them kind of wander back because yeah. it's the values that they know. We watch Christy, who thought we were the most conservative parents in the world, not letting her go to certain movies that other kids could go to and all that kind of stuff. She now is, is raising our two grandkids, maybe more conservative than we would do it. It's like, <laughs> Dad, you're allowing him to do this? Yeah, why not? You know, so you see what I'm saying? Yeah. They, they do come back. Yeah. They, they might be building on a foundation of their, of their house. They're building a, a shack. But my hope is they'll tear down the shack eventually and build a castle, hmm. but they're going to have to do that. We'll help them, but yeah. they have to do it. And we don't want to get in the way of that. Yeah. Good word, Jim. I've enjoyed um, your, your writings. I've enjoyed uh, learning from you today. Will you pray for us and whatever yes. direction you'd like to pray for the audience um, as we wrap up our time together? Yeah. Thank you so much, God, for uh, the ability to, to have a conversation and people can hear it all over the world. And I pray God for the people who in this got tied in and they leaned into it because maybe they were really struggling with a child. And it might be a younger child who's strong-willed, um, one day going to become an, uh, an adult. And it might be some, just even at the time where, where Aaron and his wife is, where their daughter is just launching into adulthood. And we pray God that you would give us the strength and the wisdom and the knowledge. And yes, the ability to bring people around us who can help us through times that may not be as easy. Um, we know God, that that as we relinquish our kids to you, that that's a good thing. And we also admit that it's a really hard thing. So in this conversation today, Lord, what can we take away from it and uh, and become better parents because uh, of investing this time? We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and we love you. Amen. Amen. <laughs>